0: Good morning, all side. We are continuing our study in the book of Haggai. So to ask that you would take your Bibles and turn to Haggai chapter one, And we were looking at verses twelve through fifteen this morning. And as you are turning, I want to tell you a story. It comes from a recent movie called The Blind Side. And the Blind Side is a story of Michael Orr, who was a homeless and traumatized boy who ultimately became an all-American football player and a first-round NFL pick with the help of a caring woman and her family. Now, I want to give you a warning because a scene I'm going to tell you does have some language if you go and look at it in the movie. But it's a scene where Michael Orr is on the ground, and he's kicked in the head by an opposing player. The coach becomes irate and starts to ask for a penalty, and a penalty is thrown, and instead of the penalty being thrown on the opposing player, it's thrown on the coach. He becomes angry and irate and begins to berate the official because he thinks that what is happening is Michael is being um, thrown a penalty because of his color. So Michael, though, grabs the coach and gives these words. Don't worry, coach. I've got your back. Now all of us would like to have a professional football player walking around with us to tell us constantly all the time, don't worry, I've got your back. But the reality is, is even the NFL player or others around his family members will fail us. But what God does, is he gives us a gift in Haggai chapter one, when he tells the people and ultimately he tells us, I am with you. And it's an incredible gift. So let us look to the scripture. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shittiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all of the remnant of the people, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the twenty-fourth day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius, the king. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do need to hear the words That you gave through Haggai to the people, and ultimately to us today, that you are with us, and as Chris has already read from Romans eight, Lord, that you are with us everywhere. In the midst of hardships and struggles, it doesn't matter where we go or the situations we find ourselves. So, Father, let it take. Let us take it to heart this morning and apply it but be encouraged by the words that you give to us and father allow us to truly see christ glorified and honored this morning for we pray this in the power of the holy spirit amen so the first point we're going to look at how do we hear the word of the lord And I'm going to start off by talking about the doctrine of Scripture because I do believe that this is a hill to die on. It's something that is attacked in our day and age, but it's something that we need to truly grasp and understand. So the first aspect of the doctrine of Scripture we're going to look at is sola scriptura. See, the reality is is we have two different views. We have one that is the prima Scripture. Which means that doctrine, the doctrine of Scripture is, is primary, but there are other things that are co-equal. For example, the Pope in the Catholic Church would be co-equal with Scripture. So he can bring in words that are equal with what the Scripture says. It is one of the big deals why we in the Reformation had sola scriptura, Scripture alone. That's why we go to the Word of God and not to men because God alone is the one who tells us what is required of us. What is the thing that is the most important? So it's scripture alone. The second thing we see in the doctrine of scripture is inspiration. It says that scripture is God breathed, which means God divinely influenced the human authors of scriptures in such a way that they wrote the very words of God. That's what we find here in Haggai. Haggai speaks, but it's the words of God that come to the people. And not only do we believe that it's inspired, that it's God breathed, but we believe that it's verbal, plenary inspiration. What does that mean? It means that the very words themselves are inspired by God. It's not just concepts. It's not just ideas. We don't go through the Bible and pick and choose what we think is right and what we think is cultural. We don't say this is of God, but this is not. All of Scripture, every word comes from God. The third aspect is that in the Sola Scriptura is that it's infallible and it's inerrant. The infallibility means it's never wrong and that's absolutely trustworthy and it's an errant meaning that the Bible and its original manuscripts were free from error. Now am I backtracking on myself because there's many translations? No. (laughs) The reason is is that there's because of the many translations we don't have the exact perfect copy. So there is the semantics. There are things that are found in some manuscripts that aren't in others, like the woman caught in adultery. That's the reason why I tell you, you should have at least four different translations to study from. So you can see why the wording's different, so you can understand why things maybe have been omitted or why things were said in a different way. We don't just go to one text or one translation for our understanding so we understand that the Bible is sola, it's inspired, it's infallible and errant, but it's also sufficient, meaning that the Bible is all we need to equip us for a life of faith and of service. Jesus is very clear in John chapter 10, 27, when he says this to the people, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. See it's by the the understanding of the holy spirit moving within us that allows us to understand that we are hearing the word of the lord and as we hear the word of the lord we respond and so what are the means of scripture well we know that means of scripture comes through preaching so haggai comes and he preaches and he preaches first to the leaders because they're the ones you're going to be held to a higher standard more accountable and it's a, it's a warning for us, but it's the leaders who should be the first ones to step out. It's the leaders who should be the ones who are in the word of the Lord more than anyone else. It's the leaders who should be praying more than anyone else. It's the leaders who should be calling people into a relationship with Christ. And so Haggai speaks to the leaders first, but then he ultimately speaks to the people. And so he preaches to them. And so we have the understanding that there is a messenger who gives a very specific message from God. It's what I do here. And so, again, there's many times where you uh, hear me joking around or we're relaxing or I'm just talking about or maybe I'm just giving my opinion. But there's a difference when I stand here in the pulpit. For I speak the very words of God. It's why I struggle sleeping the night before because this is a big deal I want to make sure that I get it right, that I don't go into what I believe. I want to make sure that I'm faithful to preach the word of God to you. And as we preach the word of God, we hear that the message comes from God, not from man. And so I have to say to even myself, may I believe what I just preached and apply to who I am. So the means of Scripture come through preaching, but it also comes through our study. And this happens through group studies. And so there's many group studies that go on because we want to make sure that we're not um, getting into a routine where we're the only ones who makes a decision of what's right or what's wrong. That's a dangerous place to be. So we have groups where we have people, uh, men and women, who come around us who call us into question, who make sure that we are staying true to the Scripture But there is that also that opportunity for us to be individually in the word, asking for the Holy Spirit to lead us. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through a prophet. We can come individually to God, and he will teach us and lead and guide. But even if we have all of that, we can hear the word, but not apply it. And so there is that reality where we have this confrontation with Scripture. Scripture demands an answer. And again, if we look at this, if we look at this passage in Haggai, the people came back. They were starting to build, then they found opposition, and so they've they've allowed the temple to lie in ruins for over sixteen years, and they've carried on about their own business and let the things of the Lord fall to the wayside. And the question for us should be: That sure sounds like me. Maybe we're not looking at a dilapidated temple. But it sure does hit me square in the eyes of thinking that I'm more about my kingdom than God's kingdom. And so as Haggai comes and he preaches the scripture, it demands an answer. And there's only two things that can happen. We can respond negatively. And so the people could have said, we're going to resist the Lord. We're not going to build the temple. We're going to continue to do our own thing. And also what then would they have done? They would have of themselves of the prophet which happened many times. and It would be easy for you to be confronted with the word of God and just go, sounds like a nice story, but it's just not for me. So we don't need to be in danger of resisting by negatively responding to the world. But we also have what's known as a pastor's dream, to preach the word of the God faithfully and then to have the people respond by obeying and applying. See, the reality is is we can respond to the word positively, which means that we acknowledge our sin in the midst of it. Just like the people of Haggai. They saw that they left the temples in ruin, and it wasn't just that it was a building. It was God's presence with them. It was the way that God was showing that he was there physically with them. And so they respond by acknowledging their sin, but then it calls them to action, them specifically to rebuild the temple, but for us to call us to action, to repent, to come back, to apply what God has called us to do. Luther gives this quote in regards to the scripture. as After he looked at everything that he was a part of that God called him to, he said, I did nothing. It was the word of God that did it all. So again, we look to that, understanding that we we allow the spirit to use the word of God to confront us. And as it confronts us, it begins to change us. And so we come to point to with how do we respond to this word? Well, the first thing we see is that it encourages us for he gives us short, but a very significant statement. I am with you. See, it's the understanding that we have to reestablish our relationship with God. Because remember, at the beginning of this chapter, he said, these people. He didn't say, my people. There was a disconnect from God and his people. And so there had to be a reestablishment of the relationship with God. And so we have to establish, reestablish our relationship with God constantly. We have to ask the question, in essence, are we good? Are we good with each other? And as we begin to reestablish that relationship, we have the opportunity to then to flourish. What does that mean? When we know someone is for us, we are able to flourish in that relationship because we don't sit there and second guess. We don't sit there and worry about if I do this, will they turn on me? And it's not here a flourishing of just flourishing like positive thinking. It's not modern psychology where we just have positive emotions. We engage the world around us. We choose relationships that are positive and meaningful. We find meaning in our life and we seek after accomplishments. See, that's the world. But what we have is we have an ability to have a relationship. It's a loving relationship. And so even when, even all the things that I say about my dad and the struggles that I had with him growing up, anytime that my dad disciplined me, he always ended it with a loving relationship and a hug. And so I knew, I knew that he was for me, not against me. And so I could flourish in my relationship, even those that had to be reestablished. So God says, I am with you, you, but he also says that God came to us. Now, as we look at the covenant relationships, every time God comes closer to us. So whether it's Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, or us, he comes closer to us by the means that he presents. So we saw he started off with the tabernacle. And so God's presence comes down to his people. And so that would have overwhelmed Noah That would have overwhelmed Abraham, but Moses understood that God came in the cloud and the pillar. But then he gets a permanent residency with David. He gets his temple in Jerusalem. But then we have Jesus who comes, but then even Jesus tells us one greater than he has to come. And so we have the Holy Spirit that indwells us individually. We are the temple. And so everyone who would have gone before us, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, would have been overwhelmed for us to say, do you understand that God is with you every moment by the power of the Holy Spirit? That's a gift that he gives to us. And as he gives us that encouragement that he is with us always, he begins then to redirect us. And the first thing he allows us to do is to repent it's a giving back to God's ways, that, that 180. It's using our faith that finds itself in obedience. And we don't do it because we have to. We do it because of our love relationship to God. We want him to be glorified. We want to do the right things because that's a way for us to show that we love. And so what happens is we turn from our inactivity to working for him. And again, not because we have to. And not because it earns us anything, because it's a way for us to show our love. And as we begin to repent, then the scripture, the word of the God, begins to transform us. It transforms our minds, and it transforms our hearts. And sometimes this happens in big ways. But it's also sometimes in small ways. It could be that you just begin to listen to the words of your spouse. Maybe you actually take time with your kids, and you listen to them. Maybe you stop making fun of the people that are around you. Maybe those people that you thought were not um, worth your time and effort. Maybe you begin to start spending time with them. We need to ask God, how do we show forth the love and the mercy and the grace of Christ to everyone that's around us? Sometimes that means we have to be repenting all the time. There's always situations, there's always people that we look to and say, you're not worth the gospel. And so we repent because the reality is we're not worth the gospel. And so we freely give what God has given to us. And as we begin to be transformed, we begin to trust God. Trust that he puts us into all situations, but he is never apart from us. We begin to believe the truth Listen to this, this quote. It's a funny quote, but it's one that uh, Muhammad Ali said while he was on the plane. And they tell everybody to put on their seatbelts. And as the stewardess comes around and looks at Ali, he hasn't put on his seatbelt. And she says, um, please put on your seatbelt. And Ali responded with this, Superman don't need no seatbelt. At which point the stewardess responded, Superman don't need no plane. See, so that's Truth. We need to take in the truth of the scripture and apply it to our lives. And so we have a trust, we have truth, but we also understand it takes time. See, Haggai begins to, to preach this um, early in the month, and it seems to be three to four weeks before the people respond. Why? We don't know. I mean, was there a struggle for them? Was, was it just that they had to go out and get the materials? We don't know, but God is perfect in his timing. And so again, God deals with us all individually, and he deals with us all in his timing. And so we have the reality that we trust. We trust that this COVID-19 has come at the perfect time. Why? He doesn't always tell us. But God is perfect, and he's with us. And then the third thing that he does in regards to our responding to the word is he gives us a proper fear. See, a lot of times, if we're honest, we are paralyzed by man. Nick Foles, a football player, was asked this in a conference. What are you more afraid of than a career-ending injury? And this is how he responded: I have a fear of failing. I have a fear of being incompetent. I have a fear of looking weak. I have a fear of being irrelevant to this world. I have a fear of looking foolish these are all things of man and we can add to that list we can be fearful of disease we can be fearful of death we can be fearful of the loss of job we can be fearful of the loss of our things we can be fearful of the loss of friends or whatever fill in the blank we become fearful and a lot of times paralyzed by man Because we think we have the answers or we have our self-worth figured into that. And so what happens, we become disconnected from God. And so we become uh, people who dishonor him and disobey him. How many times have we, in a situation, denied Christ to fit in with a group of people? How many of us have done things in such a way that we have compromised our walk with Christ because we wanted to be in with the in-group. And again, we all go through this. And yet the reality is, is, who do we fear? In my personal life, I have two older brothers, and so for a lot of my life, we grew up where all three of us uh, shared the same room. So obviously my older brother had his individual bed, and then my brother and John and I had either bunk beds or we had what ultimately became a trundle bed. And for those who don't know what a trundle bed is, you had a bed that got hidden underneath the the top one, and you pulled it out, and it had a spring, and you would pop it up at night so that you could sleep at a kind of a normal level. But there was also times where my brothers thought it was really funny to wake me up, and the way that we wake me up was not by coming in and saying waking me up gently and patting me on my shoulder. Jeff, it's time to get up. My brothers thought it was funny to wake me up by flipping that lever that would drop me to the ground. Get up! At which point I would begin to start arguing with them, sometimes getting up and getting into fisticuffs a lot of times or whatever. But there was always one voice that came in that began to shake our room, and it was my father's voice. Jeffrey Wayne said, get up! Get up! Now I was more fearful of my father than I was my two brothers. It's the same way that it should be with us and God. See, we shouldn't become paralyzed by man. We should be embracing God because God to us should become more important than anything else in the world. Anything. And so given the opportunity, we have the ability to go back and to confess our sins to him and to hear him Forgive us and throw our sin as far as the east is from the west, and then he remembers it no more. But he reestablishes our relationship to him. He allows us to find ourselves drenched in his love and his loving embrace, and he cares for us so intimately that again we've heard that he gave his son for us. And even though it causes us to activity, I want you to be very aware that sometimes obeying the father can be costly. We can look at many examples through the scripture. Cain kills Abel. David's life is sought after by Saul. Jesus is crucified by man. It's not always easy. But we have to remember the words that God is with us. Always. i like to finish up as we come to the end of the passage with Hebrews chapter 10, looking at verse 15 and following. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. For I will put my laws on their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds... I'll remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. For where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, come close to god hear his word respond to it positively and then listen and live out the calling that you've been given that we are called to be servants to hear the words from jesus one day well done good and faithful servant for surely surely god is with us no matter where no matter how no matter what our struggles, even to the end of the age. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the encouraging words, your words, that you are with us. And Father, as we respond, let us be people who are quick to repent, slow to anger, slow to condemn, Lord, call us from our inactivity to be obedient to your word, to be obedient to your calling. And Lord, again, not because we have to, not because we have to earn your love, but because of your love to us, that perfect love that you give to us, because of that perfect forgiveness that you give to us, we love you in return. And so, Father, make it clear Through the Spirit and through your word, what you call us to do here in this time, on this earth, in this area of O'Galley, or Rockledge, or Palm Bay, or beaches. Lord, wherever you have placed us, may we be found faithful. And Lord, we know there will be times where we struggle and we're afraid, and maybe even paralyzed by the things we encounter. Then may we hear your words fresh and new again. That I am with you. I am with you all to the very ends of the age. Father, thank you for your mercy and grace and your presence with us, for they are truly new and overwhelming every day. And we hold on to it because you are true and faithful. May we never stray from your word again. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.